Well, thank you again for joining us today. There's a difference between receiving information and responding to it. So just think about your education alone, right? When you learn something new, uh, if you don't do something with it, if you don't respond to it and do something with it, you oftentimes will lose that. To hear a thing is, to hear something, to, to learn about it at once is one thing, but to actually do something with what you've learned, with what you've heard, is something entirely different. So think about just warning systems uh, that are in place to let people know there's a threat in the area. To receive that warning is one thing, but it does nothing for you if you don't respond and take action from what the warning has told you about. The same is true concerning our faith. Uh, and, and learning from God's Word. We are not called to simply receive information. We're not called just to learn new facts about God and His desire for us. We are called to respond. We are called to obedience. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. I've titled the sermon today, Hearing and Doing the Word. Hearing and doing the Word. As we look through this section, we are called to hear God's Word and to respond to it in obedience. Do something with it. And so since the Gospel is true, since, since Jesus Christ has died for us in place of uh, you know, taking our place because of our sin... And since we've been, if we've come to faith in Him, given new life... We should respond in the ways that we're going to see here in this text. And we can respond in the ways we see here in the text because the gospel's true. So I'm going to read this section for us. It is one of those longer sections, uh, eight, Luke 8, 1 through 21. But I'm going to read that and then pray for us. Luke 8, verse 1. Afterward, he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary called Magdalene. Seven de demons had come out of her. Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, Herod's steward. Susanna and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. As a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town, he said... In a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock. When it grew up, it withered away since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground. When it grew up, it produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. As he said this, he called out, Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. 
Then his disciples asked him, What does this parable mean? So he said, The secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know, but to the rest it is in parables, so that looking they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. Having no root, these believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. As for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and pleasures of life and produce no mature fruit. But the seed that is in the, the seed in the good ground, these are the ones, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it, and by enduring, produce fruit. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known or brought to light. Therefore, take care how you listen. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not meet with him because of the crowd. He was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to, wanting to see you. But he replied to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word as we do each week. And we confess that it's true. We confess also that we, we need you to work to help us to believe and help us respond as you would have. And as we look at this text today, that's exactly what, uh, what we're going to see is the need to respond. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you work in our hearts now for this purpose. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So a key component to this uh, is the focus on the Word of God. We've got to treasure the Word of God We've got to regularly, regularly meditate on the Word. We've got to read it for ourselves. We've got to hear the Word of God preached regularly. But not just to receive information. To receive the facts and do nothing with it is not helpful. We need to be changed by it. And it's a temptation for every single one of us in here to not treasure the Word as we should or to make it just a part of our checklist. Why well, I did my Bible reading for today, so, so that's it. That's a temptation for me as your pastor. To not truly take the Word serious. And ask God, shape me by what I see here. Change me into the, into the man that you want me to be. Every one of us are tempted with this. We either feel like we're too busy for it, or we don't view it as as being that valuable for what we're going to face today. And we've got to get serious about the Word of God. 
And so each point that we look at this week, uh, we're kind of keeping that in mind of the, the need for us to treasure the Word. And as we look at these points, we're going to see that these are all examples of how we are to be hearers and doers of the Word. The first point that I want us to look at is this. The Gospel should be supported. If we want to be a hearer and a doer of the Word, the Gospel should be supported. Let's look at the first three verses again. Luke 8, verse 1. Afterward, he was traveling from town and vil- from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary called Magdalene. Seven demons had come out of her. Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, Herod's steward, Susanna, and many others who were supporting them with their possessions. So, verse 1, Jesus is traveling around. He's preaching the good news of the kingdom. He is teaching the people about the kingdom of God. Teaching that the promised Messiah had come. The one that people had been waiting for and longing for was finally here. And what do we see people doing with this? How are they responding to this? Well, first we see the first group mentioned are the twelve, right? The disciples. Uh, They have heard the message from Jesus. They've heard the call from Jesus and they have believed it. And they have responded with obedience. They are following Him. And they are serving Him. Serving alongside of Him. They're supporting the spread of the good news by one, being shaped by Jesus and then sent on mission by Jesus. And then in verse 2 and 3, we see a surprising list for literature of the day. Because it's a list of women specifically listed here as people who are being used... Uh, in the New Testament time, 2,000 years ago, to list women specifically would not have been normal practice. But remember Luke, we've mentioned this before, Luke is uh, presenting, of course, through the leading of the, the Holy Spirit, through the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Luke is presenting Jesus as the Savior of the whole world. He wants everyone to see that everyone can come to Jesus. Jews and Gentiles, men and women can come to Jesus. They can be changed by Jesus, rescued by Jesus, and then put on mission with Jesus. And so Luke includes more stories like this than any of the other Gospels to say, and and here are these faithful women who Jesus, they had come in contact with Him. He had changed them. He had healed them. And he put them on mission. And these women are supporting the mission of the gospel faithfully. They're coming alongside of him and the disciples. They're learning from Jesus. And they are giving of their own possessions. They're giving of their own things to continue to support the mission of God. Jesus cared for women. He valued women. He put women on mission for His purposes. And the church hasn't been great about this historically. Right? Uh, 
we need to look at how Jesus cared for women and valued them and put them on mission. And are we, are we looking like our Savior? And we absolutely believe that Scripture teaches that there are certain roles for men and certain roles for women in the church, but we don't want to... Uh, we don't want our women to believe, we don't want our daughters growing up to believe that they don't have anything to offer the church. Jesus saw them and used them for His glory and for His purposes. So we've got the disciples. We've got these women who are faithfully supporting the mission of God. These are the ones that are mentioned here because they've realized we don't we aren't called to just be spectators in this. We aren't called to just travel around and just see some kind of miraculous things that Jesus is doing. And there were some crowds that do that. Do that. We see later on in the Gospels that there are some that, that were following Him, and when the teaching got too hard, they left. Large numbers left. But these are mentioned in Luke's Gospel because they have realized that I'm not to be just a spectator. I'm, I'm to be used by God for His glory. They're supporting the ministry of the Gospel by serving Jesus and giving to Jesus. And that call hasn't changed for us today. We are called to support the Gospel mission through serving and giving. You may remember how Paul praised the Philippians. We went through Philippians last summer. And Paul talked about how they were partners with him in the gospel, right? In Philippians 1, verse 7. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace both in my imprisonment and in my or and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel later on in the in the letter he writes these words in uh, Philippians 4 and verse 17 I'm sorry not 17 verse 14 still you did well by partnering with me in my, in my hardship. And he goes on talking about the, the financial gifts that they gave him to help support him in his ministry, to advance the gospel to the lost. They were partners with Paul in the gospel. So if we have come to faith in Christ, one way for us to hear the Word and do the Word is to support the Gospel. What does that look like for us today? It looks like what it looked like 2,000 years ago. Supporting the Gospel by giving of your time and giving of your resources. Since the Gospel is true, we need to support the mission of the Gospel by partnering with our church serving in ministry, and giving faithfully to the church. And I know that the temptation is, well, it's just a busy season for me. Or, uh, you know, I've got some extra expenses that I wasn't planning for. Uh, but to be a hearer and a doer of the Word is to, as we continue to let the Word of God shape us, is to be committed in saying, I want to use what I have for God's glory. So let's commit to supporting the gospel with our lives and with our finances.
The second truth that I want us to see is the gospel should lead to obedience. The gospel should lead to obedience. Now, I'm not going to read through the the parable because the explanation of the parable uh, kind of gives us, it overlaps. And so, uh, but Jesus in verse 4, this large crowd is coming to him and he starts to speak in a parable. He uses an agricultural story that uh, would have made sense to the crowds of the day. Uh, And so he talks about there's a sower who goes out to the fields and starts casting seed. So it would have been common practice for them to have like a seed bag and to walk through the fields and, and scatter the seed. And he says that seed lands on four different types of soils. But of that, there's only one that actually produces fruit that's valuable. There's only one that has a real change because of that seed that has been planted. The disciples, well, at first, Jesus says at the end of that, anyone who has ears to hear, listen, meaning pay attention to the words that you're hearing right now. Uh, and the disciples go to him and say, what does this mean? Can you explain it to us? And then in verses 9 and 10, Jesus tells them, look, you are the true disciples. You're the true uh, believers. And in God's way of working, there are some who will hear the truth and they'll believe it, they'll understand it, they'll believe it, and they'll respond. And then there are others that won't. And so the true disciples... Parables were, I mean, the the people that were not true disciples, parables were used to conceal the truth from them. And he references, he quotes a prophecy from Isaiah 6. He says, there will be people that will hear, but they won't understand. And so Jesus explains that to them, that some people just won't get it. But you are, are... I'm going to explain to you what I'm talking about. And so he goes on to explain to them, here's what the parable is about. And so in verse 11 of Luke 8, we see these words. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed along the paths are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. But having no root, these believe for a while, and then they fall away in their time of testing. As for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, they go on their way, and they're choked out with the worries and the riches and pleasures of life, And they produce no mature fruit. But the seed on the good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it and by enduring produce fruit. So Jesus explains, and I I don't want us to get bogged down into each of the soils, but each of the soils ultimately are uh, are different uh, hearts' response. Right, the different soils represent different hearts and how they respond when they hear the Word of God. 
And so I don't want us to get bogged down in uh, what each one means. Jesus kind of explains it for us. Ultimately, with the purpose of this parable, it is to say there's one appropriate response to the Word of God. There's only one soil that is praised here. And the appropriate response is to hear the Word and then to do the Word. To, to respond in a life of obedience. That's the, the one that's praised. Not the one that never believes. Not the soil, not the heart that believes for a little while, but when things get really hard... They fall away. Not the soil that, that uh, hears the Word, but then there's just too many things in this world. There's too many pleasures in this world. There's too many troubles in this world. And I just can't focus on the truth of the Word. I've got to focus on these other things. None of those are praised. The one that is praised is the, the individual who hears the Word, lets it take root, and through the power of the Spirit of God is changed by it into an obedient life for God's glory. That's hearing and doing the Word. And Jesus goes on. We're going to skip ahead. We'll come back to verse 16, but we're going to skip ahead to verse 19. Jesus goes on to say, this is how you show that you're truly a child of God. So in verse 19, then his mother and brothers came to him, and they could not meet with him because of the crowd. He was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he replied to them, my brother and my, I'm sorry, my mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the word of God. Those who hear and do the word. That's what identifies us as truly God's children. If we hear the word and then we are changed by it. We fall into a life of obedience. That shows that we really are God's children. Jesus really is our older brother who has rescued us and given us new life. Now it's important that we understand it's, obedience is not how we become part of God's family. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying if you obey all the right things and do all the right things, then you are part of God's family. He's saying that's the appropriate response when you hear God's Word. And so if you're truly part of God's family, if when you hear God's Word, there's going to be a desire for obedience. Jesus says in John... It's chapter 14, verse 15. It's not on the, on the screen, I believe. But uh, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. You will keep my commands. There, obedience is part of the life of a true believer. Not perfection, right? None of us will perfectly obey. There's only one who could. Jesus. But there should be a life of obedience if we're truly God's children. Paul helps us with this. We've looked at this before, but it really helps us see kind of keeping the order concerning our salvation and the works that should be produced. And so Ephesians 2, we see these words recorded. Ephesians 2 
starting in verse 8. For you were saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. How are we saved? We're saved by grace, through believing in Jesus, through faith in Jesus. It's God's gift to us. It's not based off of anything that we have done. There's no work that we could do that could make up for our sin. So we're saved by grace, not by our works, not by our obedience. However, that does not mean that our lives shouldn't be lives of obedience. Paul goes on to say in verse 10, We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that He prepared for us ahead of time, right? We're saved and then we are called to a life of obedience. Obedience should be the appropriate response to the salvation that we have been given. Jared Wilson describes it this way, the Gospel saves us from working for God's approval to working for God's glory. We don't have to work for God's approval. We have that in Christ Jesus if we've come to Him in faith. But we must have a life of obedience. And so we're, we're saved to now live out a life of obedience for God's glory, not for our own and not for our approval. And so for us, church, we must pursue a life of obedience for God's glory. Not to say, look at me, but just in response to what God has done. So as we listen to the preaching of God's Word, as we read God's Word and meditate on it, we don't need to just hear it. We need to be changed by it. And so to be a hearer and a doer of the Word means we respond in obedience. And it's not a call to say, you better like work harder. But it's just a submission to the Holy Spirit and say, God, shape me into the man, shape me into the woman that you want me to be. That's what this call to obedience looks like. Since the gospel's true, those of us who have come to trust in Christ, we can pursue a life of obedience for His glory. The third thing from this passage in Luke that I want us to see is this. The gospel should be shared with others. The gospel should be shared with others. This is our, the final way that we'll see for us to be a hearer and a doer of the Word is if we have come to faith in Christ, then we should share the good news of the Gospel with others. Let's look at verse 16 back in Luke 8. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. Therefore, take care how you listen. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away from him. 
if the truth of the gospel has shown in our hearts, if God has saved us by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, we shouldn't hide that. We should share that. And Jesus says, you don't light a lamp and then cover it up so that no one can see. You don't put it under a bed to where there's no benefit of the light. You put it on a lampstand so that others can see. And so our lives, if we have come to faith in Jesus, we should want other people to hear the good news of the Gospel. We should tell others that salvation and forgiveness is available because of Jesus. Verse 18, he says again, pay attention to what you're hearing. Pay attention to these words. Those who hear and obey will be blessed by God. And those who hear only, says even what you think you have, you'll lose in the end. Hearing and doing. A life of obedience includes telling other people about Jesus. John 3, we see these words go in the wrong direction. John 3, verse 36. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. But the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. We believe this. With Jesus, and only with Jesus, can we find eternal life. And the rejection of Jesus means an eternity in hell. Scripture teaches clearly. And if we believe that, we should share the good news of the Gospel with the lost. We should tell others about our Savior. Think of the, the woman uh, at the well and she went back into her town and told the entire community, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. She went in and told others the good news about Jesus. There's salvation available to us. Come and see Him. That should be our response too. Let's pray for and pursue opportunities to share the good news of the Gospel with others. All of us, almost certainly, have people in our lives. They may be family members, they may be neighbors, they may be co-workers, they may be friends. All of us have people who have not trusted in Jesus and they need to hear the good news of the Gospel. And I get it. I, I feel just as uncomfortable as pretty much probably most of you do. But we need to respond in obedience. And if we have believed that Jesus is the only way for salvation, if Jesus is the only way for the forgiveness of sins, we've got to be able to step into that uncomfortable situation and share the good news of the Gospel with the lost. So let's pray for those opportunities. Let's ask the, the Spirit of God to give us some boldness in that. 
to be able to step into those things if we're not used to that? Since Jesus has died for us and has given us new life, we can be intentional about sharing the gospel with others. Sharing the good news is one way for us to be a hearer and a doer of the Word. If you've never come to faith in Christ, of course, first and foremost, we want you to know that there is life found in Jesus Christ. There is eternal life. There is the forgiveness of sins which we all need. It's only found in Jesus if you would just believe in Him. And so if you have not trusted in Christ for salvation, or if you don't quite know what that means, I'd love to be able to talk with you and share the Gospel, uh, talk about salvation and what Jesus Christ has done for us. And if you want to have that conversation, would you please just fill out one of the yellow response cards and just say you'd like to, to learn more about trusting in Jesus. So you just want to schedule a meeting with the pastor, and I'll, I'll get in touch with you, and we'll have a meeting. I'd love to talk with you more. Church, we need to treasure the Word of God more. We need to make it a regular part of our lives, not just to hear it, but to be changed by it for God's glory, right? Letting God plant the truth in us, Letting God work in us to shape us into the men and women that He wants us to be. Our Savior has redeemed us. And since that's true, let us be a people who are not only hearers of the Word, but also doers of the Word. Let's support the Gospel with our lives and with our finances. Let's pursue a life of obedience for God's glory And let's share the good news with others and ask God to use us to bring people to faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. None of this to try to earn God's approval. We can't do that. But just to live for God's glory. Let's commit to that, church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are good and faithful. We thank You for Your patience with us. I pray uh, that each of us will examine our own hearts, our own motivations. I pray that we'll commit again to being changed by the Word of God. Help us take that seriously this week, each day. And then lead us into a life of obedience for Your glory, God. And use us to bring people to Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.